Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to today's program. I am Jim Shoemaker, and thanks for joining us. I recently saw a movie. I don't know about you guys, but my wife and I like to go to the movies a couple of times a year. Well, this time of the year especially, and the movie was The Good Liar. Well, good movie, I have to say. And if you've seen the movie, then you already know what this program is going to discuss. The holiday season brings out the best in us and also the worst. From someone taking your parking space, I've had that to happen when you're shopping, to maybe you just didn't get that special gift for your kids or your grandkids because somebody stole it off your porch. That happens. You know that? Mm. That's real problems for sure. But what about the scam? Remember the movie, The Good Liar? The problem of taking something that you're buying, thinking you're buying, and you find out, well, it's not real. Scamming someone in this big business in America. Now, you think about that. In fact, this year, 2019, according to Scamwatch and CNBC and others, about over, it's millions of people that are being scammed, and some say it's billions of dollars. Investment scams and dating and romance are two of the top scams. Remember the movie? You already know what you need to go see the movie. Bottom line, go see the movie. It's called The Good Liar. Well, my guest today, not going to the movies, but she's going to tell us something. Nancy Crawford from the Mid-South Business Bureau, Better Business Bureau, is here to talk about what is going on in our area when it comes to scamming. Just because the caller says he's from the, and I'll let you fill in the blank, doesn't mean that that's where he's calling from or she's calling from. Nancy will give us some tips to make sure we are aware of what to do. We're going to be savvy people when it comes to scamming after this show. In the second half of the program, Ryan Ely is here to discuss some money management tips from having a savings account for emergencies to becoming a good homeowner and being able to pay for that home. He will share with us what to avoid and what to do. He has some simple ideas to help us make good decisions and not make those financial mistakes that create financial stress. From our Did You Know files, real quick, I want to go over this with you. Did you know that the bull market for the S&P 500 is in its 129th month? And it's it's as of last Friday, last week. And during the bull run, the stock index has overcome 14 drops of at least 5% and 6 drops of at least 10%. Well, you remember Mr. Bill Gross. He's the retired money manager that founded and ran PIMCO Investment Company from 1971 to 2014. Well, recently, in November, it's just last November, he predicted just a month ago, according to the Financial Times, that the U.S. stock market will be flat to down 10% in 2020. And they made a similar forecast made seven years ago in November of 2012. He, he said in Time magazine, they ran an article that he was quoted, why stocks are dead. And he says that he was predicting this gloomy equity forecast. The S&P 500 closed 1406 in November of 2012. 
and it closed just last week at 3146. So it goes to show you that even the experts have struggles predicting the stock market, of course. And that's why we always tell you, remember this, past performance is not an indication of future performance. Employee Benefit Research Institute recently posted that 61% of 1,000 workers surveyed in January of this year are working with a financial advisor and expect to work with a financial advisor as they prepare for their eventual retirement. Now, that's 61%. Stay tuned. You might want to work with this guy I'm going to be interviewing because where's the other 39%? Who are they working with? I just wondered about that sometimes. Well, I thank you for listening to that. We'll come back in a few minutes with Nancy Crawford. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, Nancy Crawford, helpful hints for the holiday season. How to avoid the scam and Ryan Ely, money management tips. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Nancy Crawford Butcher or the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. The views and opinions expressed are those of Nancy Crawford Butcher only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. As I introduced earlier, Nancy Crawford's here from the Bettis Business Bureau, a frequent guest and just does a great job with us. And two things that I wanted to talk with her about is about the idea of love and romance, which if you haven't gone to see The Good Liar, as I mentioned, well, I'm really pushing that movie, but it's a good movie. I mean, my wife wanted me to go and that was, and it was a, it's not a guy movie, but it's a great movie. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Nancy, welcome to the program. Thank you. You know, you do such a good job and, and not only from from you personally but you do so much with the better business bureau of the mid-south here where you're really helping us know what goes on as far as in our community and what we're going to talk about are two things that really do happen and the first one when i think about this this one really kind of frustrates me a little bit because few people would ever say there's nothing that doesn't just reach out and grab you is a puppy or especially a new kitten or something. In fact, I was looking on somebody had posted something yesterday in our neighborhood. They had, you know, saved a little cat and little kitten, and now the kitten and the other kittens were not playing, so they were looking for somebody to help them with another. I mean, you just you wanted to help them. And I'm not a cat person, you know. but They're that's, so cute and cuddly. Oh, they're absolutely. So that person that's looking for that adorable puppy or that cuddly little kitten, scammers know that. Unfortunately, they do. And, you know, it only makes sense in today's world that people are going to start their search on the Internet. You know, we used to pull out the yellow pages right. and look for pet breeders and and pet shops. And now we go online and we put in the breed we're looking for and up pop these links in our results page. Well, guess what? The crooks know that. And... A 2017 BBB special investigation into pet scams found that 80% of the sponsored advertising links that appear in an Internet search for pets may be fraudulent. 80%. 80%. So when you type that in and you get those 
links at the top that have the little box that say add. The crooks are buying those now because they know that— Makes it look legitimate. It makes it look legitimate. So it's difficult to be able to navigate an online search for a pet without landing on a bogus website. Um, I, I guess that is—I'm thinking of the person who starts that process. Well, it, it, you land on this bogus website, buyer beware. How do you—what do you? What do you say to people that call you about that? Well, normally they don't call us until— It's too late. It's too late. There's been a problem. And that's why we're trying to get the word out about this particular scam and— We've had some reports in the last week that I'm going to share with the listeners um, specifics of two pet scams that have happened. So sometimes the scammers claim to be breeders. They say that they're a family-run business and their pets are all in their home. And they have adorable pictures of pets on their website. Well, it's like buying a car and taking it home on conditional delivery, you've already bought into that car yeah. emotionally. Yeah, you, you, and, you said it, and you, and you smell the new car And mine. if you drive it home in your driveway and your nope. neighbor comes out and they say, oh, wow, great new car, and you go back to the dealership or the dealership calls you and says, well, your financing didn't go through, your payments are going to be a little higher, you've already invested emotionally in that. And so this is the same kind of thing. You're, you are invested in that pet that you saw on this website. You watched the videos. You looked at the pictures. You've fallen in love with this little puppy or this little kitten. And sometimes they even ask you qualifying questions. Have you ever been a pet owner before? Do you have a fenced yard? Do you have other pets in your, in your home? And then once you say, yes, I want to buy this pet. Once you made your selection. You've made your selection. You've already got a name for, you know, the dog. Exactly. Um, The owner gives you the price and, you know, you've got to do your research before you go and and look for one that you're going to buy. You want to know how much those pets normally sell for. And that way you'll know if this price is good or if this price is too high. They're going to give you a price that's pretty good on in other words, a scam they're going to entice you. In other words, let's say you go in and you do your shopping, you're doing your thinking, and you're kind of pricing it out. And it looks, I'm just going to use $400 for a pet. And they come back and say, hey, ours for this Christmas season, $350. They, they've already got you yep. going. They've got you hooked. And then once you pay that first fee, there are problems that pop up. The airline requires a an expensive, specific heated pet crate that costs hundreds of dollars, but you can rent it for $900, and then when you bring it back after you pick the pet up, they'll refund some of your money. Or your new pet got sick, and they have to go to the vet, and there's expensive vet bills that you have to pay, or the shipper requires costly pet insurance to make sure the pet arrives all right. And with each problem, they promise, you know, we're going to get you some of this money back. We're going to discount this for you. Sometimes they even tell people the pet died. Mm -hmm. 
the pet got sick and the pet died. But unfortunately, your dog or cat never really existed in the first place. So let's talk about those two reports we got this week. Two fake websites. In both instances, the websites were newly created last month. Okay, before you go there, let me ask you this question. Well, let me tell everybody who's, who we're talking to. This is Nancy Crawford. She's with the Better Business Bureau and for the Mid-South. I mean, and she's, we're talking about pet scams. Now, I said scams, but this is about buying that puppy or that kitten, if you just tuned in, that tugs at your heartstrings, and all of a sudden, you're going to find out that, and as you said, 80% of the online shopping that you're doing, that the survey from the Better Business Bureau, that they're bogus. They're bogus websites. How much money are we talking about? Before you get into the examples, how much money are we talking about usually? I don't have a dollar amount. Uh, there is a dollar amount on it, our study. You can varies. You can Google BBB pet or puppy scam. And you can read the entire study. Um, It's hundreds of dollars in some instances, thousands of dollars per instance. So I'm going to give you a little tip. Okay. You can find out when a website was created. Most people are not aware of this, but it's public information. If you go to whois.com. And you type in the name of a website, you can find out when that website was created and who it was registered with, whether it's a GoDaddy or a Domains by Proxy. In the real world of good businesses, people who register websites have their contact information in the registration. In the world of scammers, they register the website privately by proxy, and you can't get any information about who registered it, only where it was registered. And you don't know who owns that website, but you can see when it was created. You know, I, that is valuable information. I would have never thought. Now, IT person might, but I'm busy. I'm looking. I'm thinking of buying a kid, you know, puppy for my grandkids or going to buy one for my wife or uh, my my uncle, guess yeah, my my aunt just passed away, and you know I would love to get him something that would be that companion. I would easily do that, and I hate to say this, I'm one of those that would go on the eighty percent. I would be a target. Well, probably not because I would go see the dog where I could <laughs> I'd pick up the dog before I got exactly. But, you, but a lot of people don't do that. Now a, you have two examples. For a us. lot of people don't do that. So. If you have a site that doesn't have a phone number on it, doesn't have a physical address, it just has either an email or a contact form, that's a red flag. Both of these scammers asked for payment via Zelle, which is a peer-to-peer money transfer app. Um, It's like handing cash to someone. Once you send it, it's gone. So a Hernando, Mississippi woman lost $1,000. Wow. To a fake puppy site called Sind, S-Y-N-D, Dachshunds.com. The name of the business is Cindy's Dachshunds, but the website was SendDachshunds.com. The scammer asked her to pay using Zelle, and she couldn't find her bank on the app, so the seller said, well, just go to Walmart and get a gift card. And then after she gave the information on the back of the gift card to the scammer to pay for the pet. She 
had to pay a second fee to rent a special crate. So she went and bought a second Walmart gift card, gave the scammer the information. And of course, she has no puppy and she's out $1,000. A Bradford, Tennessee woman, that's kind of in the Dyersburg, little east of Dyersburg area. She was similarly scammed on a website called AmazingPoodlesHome.com. And that seller also asked for payment via Zelle, which she couldn't use with her bank. So she said, you know what? I've got airline miles built up. I'm just going to fly to Houston to pick up the dog. By the time she got to her layover at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, the seller had stopped communicating with her, and she realized it was a scam. She had already paid the first $500 fee. And she was physically going to pick the dog up, which is really what we recommend. Don't buy a pet that you can't see in person. No kidding. Yeah, that's what I was thinking myself. It is the only way to know that that pet really exists and that it's healthy and that it's got the personality and the demeanor that you're looking for. And when you're buying things like this long distance, it's very difficult to do that. And as this woman tried to do that... She realized she that she him. was being scammed. That is so sad, but yet, yet we have to understand, and you said this when we were preparing for the show, you know, people say, well, he was so nice, or she was so nice, and they, they were so cordial to work with. They're professionals. They're, They're professional crooks. They are professional crooks. These are organized crime rings setting up these websites, and they know how to push your buttons. They know how to put you in that emotional side of your brain rather than that logical side and they play on those emotions and they're very good at what they do it is their job to steal your money yeah to steal your money well on the movie at the movie you know when i say the good liar which by the way to make sense good liar it was a love and romance type thing scam and I actually got angry during the show. I mean, I, I told my wife, I said, this, I'm going to go punch him, you know. I'm ready to take this guy out, you know, because it was the typical widow and widower, we thought. And you, you go through this whole process. And I guess I'm, I'm asking this question. Here we are. It's the it's the Christmas season. People don't like to get caught up into that. I mean, but they're lonely and they're looking for just let's go out to dinner with somebody. Right. Let's just have they some want a companion companion. And I don't I can see that. I mean, I've got a very dear friend of ours that lost her husband in August. And I know she's going through that. So love and romance scams. Talk to me again. They're going to put you in that emotional state. We all want to believe that somebody loves us for who we are. Mm. And we can't believe that there are really people out there who would scam us this way. But they're different from other scams in that they target lonely people, and they often take months to develop. So there are different stages of a romance scam. Um, The first is when someone contacts you online that's the the initial period. They use dating apps. They use uh, dating websites, Facebook, social media. Many of them use stolen credit cards to join the sites, and they post fake profiles. So just like the puppy scams where the scammers search on Google and steal the pictures that they find from legitimate sites, 
The same thing happens in romance scams. And, you know, Jim, you've often heard people love a man in uniform. Women love a man in uniform. Yeah. They use pictures of military men because of that very reason. And it it's amazing that you can you know how to reverse search a picture on I have Google? no clue you're you're talking <laughs> to a novice here okay. i'm so overwhelmed right now i'm thinking fortunately i'm not doing the love if i did the love and romance thing i'd have a wife at home and say, well, you're in trouble that's not a good thing but what if you know what i'm saying i just don't think that way so if you look at the picture and down in the right hand corner at the bottom there's a little camera And you can click on that camera, and what it does is searches for that picture on any other website on the Internet. Oh. And so it's called Tiny Eye, and it's uh, through Google, and it will show you where else that picture shows up. So you see a profile. This guy says he's in the Army. He's stationed overseas. He needs to ship some things back home. And he needs you to help him to do that after he's gained your confidence, after he's professed his love very quickly, you know, quicker than the normal time frame, professed his love, wants to take the conversation off of the dating site or off of social media because it can't be monitored if he does that. If you continue to talk to a a scammer on the site, the site monitors for those things. And might change it. And and they might put a stop to it. But if you take it off the site and you use text messaging, there's no monitoring. Um, In most of these instances with romance scams, they tell you that they're going to come and visit you, but something always comes up. There's a problem. Uh, Their sister had to have surgery or, you know, they got transferred to another post and they're not going to be able to come home. So there's always a reason why they can't talk to you via Skype, why they can't come visit you. And after so many months of investing emotionally in this person, like the puppy, you've now like got the involved. puppy, you think this person is not going to take advantage of me. They're nice people. They're nice. This person loves me. This yeah. person wants to spend the rest of their life with me. So they build up that trust. And then they break that trust. We'll come back in just a second. Talk about building up trust. And breaking trust. What do you do about that? You know, when we come back, this lady has a wealth of knowledge. Nancy Crawford, she is the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Better Business Bureau, serving the Mid-South. And great guest. She always helps us understand. She's already given me AmazingPoodles.com and and Time Eye. I didn't know you could do that with a picture. I'm going to go try that a couple of times. Just a wealth of knowledge you do not want to miss when we come back. She's going to close up with us and help us understand what to do how to avoid being scammed in the holiday season. Also, in the second half, you've got Ryan Ely, millennial income and people making money as a millennial and as they move towards retirement. What are some of the management money management tips that they need to know about? Ryan's going to talk about it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Ryan Ely are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. 
Member FNIRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. My guest is Nancy Crawford with the Mid-South Better Business Bureau. She's a frequent guest and does a phenomenal job of giving us the information we need from a buyer beware mentality. We've talked about puppy scams. Can you imagine thinking you're going to buy this cute, I mean, adorable puppy or a kitten, and you find out you've been scammed? Well, she gave us two examples of two people here in the Mid-South that that's happened to. It can happen to you. She said basically 80% of the pet websites, according to the Better Business Bureau, are fraudulent. And she's talked about how you can go into whois.com to find out if this is a legitimate website, whois.com. But I'm going to tell you, if you've got a question before you are a victim, pick up the phone and call the Better Business Bureau. They'll give you some guidelines. And I've talked about the movie. Now, my wife and I are moviegoers. We enjoy it. It's a romance night out for us. And we enjoy And we went to see. She had already seen it. And so I had to go see it. Good Liar. Well, it's about a love and romance scam. And about halfway through the program, I'm ready to take this guy out because he's taking advantage of this lady. And I mean, I am all over it. Well, that happens. We have found out that it not only happens a little bit, it happens in the billions of dollars, and you need to be sensitive to it. Nancy, I mean, in reality here, tell me, you've talked about love and romance. Give me your final thoughts on that. I mean, that's a real issue for a lot of people. Never send money or personal information to someone you haven't met in person. That applies to the puppy scam. That applies to the romance scam. That applies to a wealth of other scams. If you don't know this person personally, you don't want to send money to them. So if you're talking to someone on a dating website or on social media and they begin to ask for money. You want to cut off all contact. You want to report them to the dating site. Um, you want to do that little tiny eye reverse search on that picture and see how many other times that profile picture has been used and ask specific questions. They sometimes use, they mostly use overly flowery language and, and they don't speak in common everyday talk. So you can actually Google phrases from that profile and see where the, where else those phrases turn up. And when you see profile after profile that are using that same language, you know that you're onto a scammer. Onto a scammer. So yeah. and I guess I can just see it. I hate to say this, how someone where it's the Christmas season they're lonely, they're, you know, and that's real. That's real. And so what we need to be telling the listeners, understanding ourselves, this is a time when you're emotionally vulnerable. Exactly. And and the BBB recently did a study about when people are exposed to scams, what makes the difference in becoming a victim and not becoming a victim? And two things, engaging with the person or the scammer, is one. And the second one is the the victims don't talk to somebody else about it. So that's a real key point. If you have any inkling that something is wrong, 
talk to a friend, talk to a relative, somebody you trust and say, hey, just want to run this by you because I've got a bad feeling about it. Um, it's hard to admit that you fell for a scam. And that's why people don't talk to someone about it most of the time, because they don't want to feel stupid. They don't want to be looked down upon. But talking to someone else about what's going on is the main thing that can help you to not become a victim. That is so critical. So, I mean, just be willing to admit, hey, I may be doing something that I shouldn't be doing. Well, if you just tuned in, this is Nancy Crawford. She is a phenomenal wealth of knowledge. I'll tell you at the end of the program how to get in touch with her, but of course you can always go to www.bbb.org and uh, you can find out a tremendous amount of knowledge. Nancy, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. And Merry we'll Christmas. have you back in January. We'll talk about really what's going on, and that's the return scams. Absolutely. And that's a lot of them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, my guest coming up is Ryan Ely, and I tell you, you can't ask for a more experienced, more knowledgeable individual when it comes to money management and what he does. Ryan is a guy that works with individuals and in helping them avoid those financial mistakes that occur. And I am so glad to have him with us because he does a great job talking to a lot of people, counseling a lot of people. Ryan, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back, Jim. You know, Ryan, one of the biggest issues that so many people start off and they think about they're doing when they're putting money together and trying to decide what to do is the reality of having a plan. And I and I want to just make sure that we're telling everybody that the reality is have a plan, have a have a have a some kind of a strategic thought. Whether you're 25 or 75, mm-hmm. have some kind of a plan, right? Right. All right. With that in mind, let's talk about what you would say to someone who's in their younger stage. Let's talk about the 25-year-old first. Okay. What would you kind of hide, you know, kind of help them walk through, guide them through the first thing that you would say would be most important to them? One of the first things you want to do, Jim, is have an emergency fund. When you think about it, you want to say, how much should I be saving for an emergency fund? Well, it's recommended that you set aside at least three to six months worth of living expenses. When you think about those expenses, you want to include things like your rent, mortgage payments, health insurance, transportation costs, groceries, daycare if you have children. And this may mean that your emergency fund should have thousands of dollars, but don't worry about stockpiling that money all at once, especially if you're simultaneously paying down student loans or you're trying to beef up your 401k. Now, when you say... I'm talking to the 25-year-old now, 25, let's say 25 to 30, an emergency fund. I, I, I seem like I would think that that 25-year-old, 30-year-old is thinking about the new TV they got to buy, the, the car payment they got to make. Are they thinking, do you see them thinking about emergency funds at that point? Most likely not, but going back to what we talked about having a plan, you want to start yourself off on the right foot. So... That's why we want to talk about these tips, things that put on your mind when you're when you're starting out in life. Having an emergency fund is one of the first things you want to think about. One of the things that we talked about in the monologue, and, I, and you're right, you just reminded me of that, is the reality is these are things you should do to avoid making the mistake later on that creates financial stress. Now, the Christmas season happens to be sometimes financially a stressful time because we all knew Christmas came on December the 25th. I mean, I hate to tell you, it comes that time every year. 
But for some reason, we didn't save the money. And we're not talking about emergency fund. We're talking about a Christmas spending account. It's just simply being disciplined to say, if I'm going to spend $100, I'm going to spend $1,000, save the money so that you're not having to put it all on your credit card and then you're burdened down beginning in January. That's what you're saying. And it yeah. just be disciplined. Yeah. Like you said at the beginning, we just want to have a plan. Um, I always tell my clients, you can do whatever you want as long as you plan for it. Oh, that's a great statement. Do whatever you want. Just have a plan for it. Mm-hmm. Great statement, Ryan. So first and foremost, the discipline of an emergency fund. Now, we're not talking about a Christmas fund. We're not talking about a vacation fund. You're saying emergency. Mm-hmm. And, and that's critical. People don't. Now, I wonder, let me ask you this. Just do, do the 25 to 30 look at their parents and say, that's my emergency fund? Sometimes they do. But if you get um, 25-year-olds who are more independent out on their own, you want to start thinking about what if my car breaks down? You know, what if I lose my job? What if something happens where uh, my paycheck is a little shorter than I thought it was going to be? So you want to have funds available to take care of those things in, in the event that an emergency comes up. I'm assuming, though, and I guess you're saying this, and I want to make sure that we are clear with our with our people listening. Ryan, you're really saying an emergency fund is the first part of any plan, whether you're 25 again or 75. Have the money set aside that you can get to in case of an emergency. Absolutely, because um, emergencies don't care about how old you are. That's true. That's a great point. And you can't always define what the emergency is. I used to teach a lot of people when we were teaching sometimes in churches, and I know, Ryan, you do a lot of teaching in churches today, and because people are asking you and other things, you're around in the community, you do a lot of teaching. The point is that emergencies are not uh, you need to buy tires on your car because mm-hmm. that's something you could plan for. Emergencies is not a vacation. Emer- emergencies are a loved one passes away and you've got to get a flight or or the the water heater in the house breaks down and it's not an old water heater. A, or, you know, that's something that you just can't say it's going to happen, but it happens. That's an emergency. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's those things that we know are going to happen, but we can also plan for because we don't know when they're going to happen. That's a good point. So we've kind of beat to death the emergency fund, but we look at it as being critical to any plan. All right. Now we're 35 to 40 or we've gotten married. We maybe we're still living in the apartment, but we want to buy the house. We want to buy our first home. Help me through what you would say to people that are buying their first home or a second home, whatever. Well, we want to look at what do you need to qualify for a mortgage. So to qualify for a mortgage, usually your monthly housing expenses, that would include your principal and interest, um, your real estate taxes, your homeowner's insurance, your homeowner's or condo association dues. Uh, They usually can't exceed 28 percent of your gross income. So 28 percent of gross income, Mm -hmm. gross income, that's the amount of money you make without taking out taxes. Before taxes are taken out. So let's say you make... $50,000 $50,000 or $10,000. So $10,000, and that's a, this is a number because it's easy math mm-hmm. for me. $2,800 I could actually have mm-hmm. of that money. 28%. That seems high. It seems high, but you want you want to make sure that those um, that money doesn't exceed 28% of your, your gross monthly income. Oh, gross monthly, monthly income. income. So $10,000 a month, $2,800 a month. I got it. So right. that makes a big difference So for people. Still understand, that is a big number, but you just got to stay within that number. You want to stay below that number. Okay. So, do, you, do you see people in your practice that uh, maybe got a little too much 
excited about what they were buying and maybe bought too much? Absolutely. Absolutely. See people that live above their means all the time. And, and it's it's a stressor. It's it's one of those things that when they are living above that 28 percent, other things start to um not be able to put money towards. So they not they're not be, aren't being able to put money towards their emergency fund, or they're not being able to put money towards retirement or other things that they want to do, travel, vacations, and and luxuries of that sort. What about insurance at this point in time? Do they do they buy insurance? I mean, you know, you talk about property and casualty insurance for the homeowner, the homeowner, the liability coverage, the life insurance, and disability coverage. What? How do you put all? That's not part of the twenty eight percent, right? Yeah, it's, it's part of the part 28%. Of yeah. When we talk about the homeowner's insurance or, or condos association dues, you got to make sure you have the insurance in inside of that 28%. But the life and the disability is not. When, when you're talking about qualifying for a mortgage, that's okay. not necessarily a part of the 28%, but you absolutely want to have those things in case of, going back to our first point, an emergency. If something happens, you, you the insurance is the foundation of your financial plan. Okay, so having the proper amount of life insurance, you don't want to strap the spouse house with right. a debt on the house at that point if they, they you say well they'll sell the house maybe maybe not right there, there's a lot of things that could go into maybe the housing market isn't good maybe you're upside down on the house the insurance is there to make sure that things are taken care of in the case of um, an untimely death now i know when you counsel people on, <clears throat> on buying life insurance you're walking through you're not too you're, you're trying to figure out the amount they need mm-hmm not just whether it's permanent insurance or term insurance. You're just really trying to focus on what is it that the the person that you're insuring, whether it's both spouses, one spouse, the, the breadwinner, you know, both of them at the same. A lot of times you see the joint incomes coming in, right. kids come in, they're still working together. So you're trying to look at it from an overall arching view of saying from, from your financial need, mm-hmm. this is how much insurance you buy. Right. You want to look at what do you need now? What are you going to need in the future? Uh, when we talk about making the plan, what are the things that you want to do in case you are uh, no longer here? What are the things you want to cover? So we're talking about buying a home. Do you want to make is this going to be your forever house? Do you want your spouse to be able to afford to buy a new house? You're going to look at all the needs again, going back to making that plan. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, making the plan, going through that process. If you just tuned in, my guest is Ryan Ely. We're talking about money management tips, and he's going to talk about some things you shouldn't do at the end of the program and make sure that you don't get into this problem that a lot of people do. And he's talking about having an emergency fund. That's a money management tip, but yet it's a fundamental tip. And then if you go to buy your first home, 28% of your monthly gross income, can you cannot have your P&I, which is a principal and insurance, taxes and insurance, principal and uh, in, principal interest, taxes and insurance, P-I-T-I. I could get that. You know, I knew that. And you put all that together. That's a mouthful, though. Right. You put all that together, 28% cannot, that's the amount that cannot exceed your monthly gross income. Right. So that's important for people to understand. Ryan Ely is an advisor to uh, and counselor uh, and does a great job helping people understand some of these things. All right, we talked about emergency fund. We talked about a plan, mm-hmm. an emergency fund, critical, then a plan for buying a house. How much money should we have to, as far as to set, set up for a house, to buy a house? Is there a need for that? 
Well, yeah, you you can probably get a mortgage with a down payment of just three to three and a half percent of the purchase price, but you'll need usually need an extra two to four percent of the purchase price to cover things like the appraisal, um, taxes, and other costs. All other costs you'll have to pay at closing. Um, and if you put down less than 20 percent, you'll need private mortgage insurance, which usually costs around 0.5 to 1.5 percent of the loan amount each year. So so you're talking about 20 percent of a hundred thousand dollar home. Right. And you're going to put twenty thousand dollars into this home. So your mortgage is only going to be eighty thousand dollars. Correct. So people need to be sensitive. They've got to save. Now, this is not emergency money. Mm-hmm. They're saving for a home. Correct. So that's critical that they understand. And you recommend 20 percent to put it down because it's less expensive long term. Long term. Yeah. If, if you if you're able to put the 20 percent down, of course, go ahead and do it. But like you said, you want to save that 20 percent aside from your emergency fund. It's a different fund. But if you're unable to put that 20 percent down, understand that there's going to be additional costs to go on with that mortgage. Great point. My guest, Ryan Ely, we're talking about some money management tips and some things to avoid. When we come back, we're going to talk about saving for retirement now. Wow. That's a uh, That uh, young person, 25, 35, saving for retirement now. And then he's going to give us two things to avoid. You do not want to miss them. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Investors anticipated tax bracket in retirement will determine whether a Roth account versus a traditional retirement account will provide more money in retirement. Generally, investors who are in a higher tax bracket at retirement relative to their current tax bracket while making contributions to a Roth account benefit more than an investor who is in a lower tax bracket at retirement. For a Roth IRA, earnings withdrawn prior to reaching age 59 and a half and or not meeting the five-year holding period may be subject to a 10% penalty in addition to income tax. After-tax contribution amounts are generally returned income tax-free. However, for Roth conversions, if converted amounts are not held for the five-year period, distributions may be subject to a 10% penalty. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm talking with Ryan Ely. He is a financial advisor. He's talking about some money management tips that young people, millennials make, but it also works for all of us, whether it's a plan that we need to be sure that we have. And and Ryan said that, Ryan, what did you say about planning that was so profound? You said it a while ago. You can do whatever you want. Just plan for it. Do whatever you want. But just plan for it. That is so critical, so important, and I honestly say so wise. That was very well said. All right, number one, we said emergency fund. Number two, we said if you're going to buy a house, save money to buy a house, put as much as 20% down, and then realize that when you look at it from your gross income standpoint, only 28% of your income can go towards the house payment. That's principal interest, taxes, and insurance, and everything else that's going along with a house. All right. Now we're to the point where retirement. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what you should do about retirement. Well, you should start saving for retirement now. And, and a lot of people say, well, well why now? Um, for millennials in particular, our generation is certain to live longer than our parents. So that means that our money is going to have to last longer. It's going to have to clear more hurdles than in the past. So what are a couple of those hurdles? For starters, no one really knows what Social Security is going to look like in 30 or 40 years. And no matter what Congress does to adjust the system over the next decade, um, current workers shouldn't count on receiving the same benefits as uh, recipients today. 
But putting aside the question of Social Security, the big difference in retirement outlook from past generations is the shift away from traditional pensions. So most private employers have moved toward what's called defined contribution plans, uh, most commonly uh, 401ks. Um, If your employer offers a 401k and will match your contribution up to a certain percentage of your pay, take it. That sounds good. That's a great point. So if there is a 401k, be disciplined, get into it. If it's a match, get the match. Correct. That's a great. All right. With all that in mind, whether it's emergency fund or employment, whether it's a plan or what, what are some things that you've got to avoid? And I really think this is important. There's two main things that you need to avoid. Number one, you don't want to get into a herd mentality. Um, And it's okay to follow the group when you're doing stuff like buying a car or a washing machine, but you don't want to get into um, that when you're doing things as far as investing, because usually what's hot today is likely going to be cold tomorrow. And you have to remember, especially when it comes to investing, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Yeah, we say that here all the time. So if you're not going to do that, what would you do? You're not going to follow the herd. I mean, I like that statement because you're saying so many of us, want to count it. We don't step out on our own. You're saying just be careful, do a plan. Right. If you're not going to follow the herd, what you, what you want to do is, is follow the rules. You want to be careful, like you said, and, and don't respond to news reports. If you see it on the news, don't really respond to it. And you want to be disciplined in your approach to investing, especially when we talk about 401ks, you want to start saving. You don't want to take money out of it. Don't borrow from it. Leave it there because it's for retirement. Okay. that's a, So if your best friend's taking money out to go on a vacation, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't follow that line. Okay, what's the number two thing that you're talking about? You don't want to be an emotional investor. So since 2008, the psychology of investing has really changed a lot of people. People get frozen when it comes to investing. Uh, what the investor today sees as a risk is is really um, merely vol- volatility. And that's just normal day-to-day swings in the market. Um, the market goes up and the market goes down, and that's normal. Uh, investments will fluctuate, and, and when redeemed, they may be worth more or less than they originally uh, invested. So summarize for me now. We're talking about don't follow the herd. Mm-hmm. Don't be an emotional investor. Cut off the TV. Pay attention. Summarize in 30 seconds. What are you trying to say to people? You want to put the volatility out of your mind. You want you don't want to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. You want to really stick to your plan. You want to do things that are going to be helpful for you later on in life. And get a good advisor to help you do that. Correct. Ryan, you are an excellent advisor. You do a great job. Thank you so much. I think what you've done is you said, here's some money management tips. Here's some things to avoid. I so much appreciate that. You've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guests, Nancy Crawford and Ryan Ely today. If you have additional questions for Nancy, you can go to www.bbb, that's, you know, Better Business Bureau.org, or call Nancy at 901-757-8627. Now, listen, you need to talk to her if you think you're subject to a scam are a problem. Be sure to do that. To talk to Ryan Ely personally, you can call him at 757-5757. He will help you understand these management tips and things to avoid. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you so much for listening. This is Talk Money. 
Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Ryan Ely are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Member FNIRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 